And it's a beautiful evening Tuesday, December the 19th, year 2017. I'm Walton Hughes, over here in Costa Mesa, California. It's cold. I got my heater on. You know, most people think I'm crazy. We're at the, we're at the adorable one in 3,000 miles away if I'm crazy. Am I crazy adorable? Hello. <laughs> Hello, Patricia. Hello. Hello, Patricia. If you if you if if you didn't have Patricia as your name, what would you have liked to have as your name? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think you. It fits you. Has it? Has it been? Has it been hard to retrain your sister to say Patricia? <laughs> uh huh. There we go. Okay. Let me. You know. Okay. It, when when I would call Patricia, who. Her office line refers herself as Pat. She is not, you are not a Pat. You know, I just. No, you're, you're a Patricia. Mm hmm. Yeah. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. We are live. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Patricia has class and culture to it. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it was interesting. The segment you read last night, I, I stuff I've never heard before, and it's very descriptive. Very. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the song and then the cartoon series have grown to be more famous than the book, than the story that you're about read, you're, you're reading to us. Yeah. Have you ever read The Grinch, the book itself? Okay. I don't, 
There might be. You know, I would think Dr. Seuss. I'm assuming it's a Dr. Seuss story. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm, re I'm ready. I'm ready for Rudolph. So, I did not know it was written in verse, so in, a, in the same tempo of the night before Christmas. Wow. 714-545-2071. You're not hearing this? Give us a call. Because, <laughs> you know, we could have dropped, dropped out under Bill, and you and I would still be hooked up. Who knows? But I... We wouldn't know, because I don't have that magic button over there. So, you can do Walden a favor and give us a call at 714-545-2071. If not, you're just hearing dead air. If not, you're just hearing dead air, so... Okay. That'd be good. On, on the blue. Anyway, I I was working on the Christmas Eve stuff this evening, and uh, I I, e I, I email Barbara. I want to know what phone number to use for her for Christmas Eve night. And so she gave me the one. So I put that in Skype. So I figured when we have Barbara to read the night before Christmas, people don't call in. And then 
then I looked up the phone number for Norad. I have both the local Colorado Springs number and the, the toll-free number. So I put those in Skype, and then I went to the uh, Santa Tracker website. Everybody, that's Norad, N-O-R-A-D, Santa, S-A-N-T-A, dot org, dot O-R-G. And right now, it seems to be really into Twittering. Must be, they must be the new frontier. So they, they like to tweet. So they're keeping, yeah, they're keeping people posted on Santa. And they have a countdown on the website right now, four days and so many hours. And so I clicked on a few things. They even, they're even selling merchandise. And they had a little... Tribute to the colonel who came up with the idea and gave a little bio about him. So I was just just making sure everything was ready for Christmas Eve. So, so anyway, this weekend, get, get, we're only on the blue tonight. Yeah, we have trained people to only hear us on the blue. Okay, the blue is the blue is popular. <laughs> okay, let me get. Let me. Looking at the Skype just to see if I, if I can figure out anything going on over there. But, you know. Okay, so what I'm going to do. Okay, so what I'm going to do. I'm going to hang up on you and, and, uh. No, I have something there. Over. Is that you? No? Yeah, but I hear those speaking noises over on your computer, I think. Okay. Well, let me hang up on you and start, start fresh. So, okay. We should be all hooked up now. I think we're all hooked up now. I, I didn't hear anything drop out. So I think it's just you and I. 
Show. Show. Oh, yeah. I think. No, I think you could read it all over again. You know? Who knows? I guess that's why I don't know. <laughs> Wait, then you're going to get a second reading of Rudolph. You know, that's, that's the deal. Either you call or Patricia gets to read Rudolph again. <laughs> Anyway, they was good. I um, it started a long time ago. Dad, Dad and I went to uh, look for nails at a couple of hardware stores. We went to three different hardware stores to get nails for the roof. <laughs> and then we came home, and then our cousin from Denny who. Uh, have moved back into town, and uh, he was visiting us, so we spent some time with him. My brother, my brother and mom went to the Star Wars movie, and I went and took a nap. And then uh, after nap, then I returned phone calls, and we ordered round table pizza for the family. And so we had pepperoni pineapple pizza for everybody. Because that makes my brother and dad happy. So that's what we did. So, and then we, mom and I had ice cream for dessert. A little chocolate syrup on there. And then I spent time looking through emails and getting ready for the show. So, I spent, and then my second computer is doing a Windows 10 update reverse back to an older program, so I don't have everything handy, so I'm going to play stuff from the CDs rather than the computer tonight, so, so, that's where we are, my dear, so we're doing okay. Okay, then I will, uh, then I will get on the call again, you know. Okay, that should do it, everybody. We should be on for sure. We should be for sure, for sure. You know. Yeah. Sure. 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 For sure, for sure. If you like to hear Patricia calling us, 714-545. 2071. We'd love to have your number. If not, Patricia and I will get, 
have a good time talking to each other for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> well, okay, if I can call the gas and say, are we on the air? Okay. Let me just... Alright, I talked to a friend Brian Henderson and he verified we're on the blue, so we're, we're being heard, so that's good. <laughs> I know, I know. Mm. And just think that's just one person doing all that, that's, that's amazing. Oh, don't you think they, you know, don't you think the president take time? Donald have taken the time to decorate for eighteen thousand square feet. <laughs> That's pretty nice. I would love, I would. I would love to do that. Yeah. You know? Okay, so that should be our thing for next year. We should volunteer to go to the White House. Yeah. 
it'd be fun. Yes, I, and they're all home baked, right? Le Mrs. Mrs. Trump cooked them all. That's that's very nice of her to do that. <laughs> yeah. You like gingerbread? You like gingerbread? Ah, okay. My favorite. Yeah, but see, gingerbread doesn't really dunk as well as other stuff. I don't think so. Or maybe because I've, maybe I've been raised on hard gingerbread. Ah, oh, I haven't thought about that. Well... Now, see, if, if you're going to decorate a gingerbread house, that's an interesting thought. W where did that custom come from? I like putting gumdrops on mine. I'm a gumdrop kid when I used to get... Oh, yeah. Now, sometimes people put hard candy on them. And, but I... Mm-hmm. That would... And that was sort of an art, how to how to get the um the frosting to harden time. That way you could have a house that could keep standing rather than having the chimney cave in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you could know, I mean, you know, little kids, our frosting should be just splattered all over the place and. You look at these professional places, somehow they just got the right amount of frosting. It looks so professional compared to. <laughs> so they went to gingerbread school? Is that. Wait a minute, we need. Hey. No, but maybe there's a gingerbread school out there. Well, I mean, if there's a Santa Claus school, there must be a gingerbread school. <laughs> well, you think there are candy companies that all they do is specialize in holiday treats? They don't. They don't put out anything else. That's true, but you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know what the biggest thing the last the last couple of weddings I attended, it's it's not, yeah, it's cupcakes now. Six dollar cupcakes, uh, you know. 
<laughs> yeah. you know and let's face it when you cook chocolate like when you're making something like that it seems like that dark chocolate has a certain smell to it when you're cooking it you know yeah That would be Mrs. Uh, Benjamin Harrison. That right? Wow. I wonder what been. I I wonder what would been a first thing. My guess would be. Something for children, you know, like you, uh, UNICEF for children or something like that would have been a very early theme. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be here four times this weekend. Twice during the day and twice at night. So we're going to start on Saturday the 23rd. 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, and go till 8 o'clock Eastern. Patricia will join for the first couple of hours before she has to start unwrapping her all her packages or help Santa pack the sleigh, you know, have a little snack break. So John Roy will join us, and then we'll all gather here on Saturday night, 23rd at 10.30 Eastern, and enjoy the holiday together. And then, uh... Patricia and I can't get enough, so on Christmas Eve day, we'll be back here, starting at 4 o'clock Eastern, we'll run until 8 o'clock, Patricia will be there for those two hours to wave at everybody, we'll talk to Santa, and then we'll be back at 10.30 Eastern, and we'll go from 10.30 to 11.30, and Patricia's sister Barbara will read the night before Christmas, and Patricia will wind up reading, finishing up. Uh, reading the Rudolph and the Red Nose Reindeer. So those are our offering. And then I bet we'll be together Christmas night. So those are current schedule at the moment, everybody. You know. Ah, okay. Well, right now... Mm, when, when did that ever happen? You, you've never been confused one day in your life. <laughs> huh. 
I see. <laughs> yeah, some nowadays I can just sort of paint those out and be pretty. I get a weekly email from historical places, everybody. And uh, last week they had the second oldest synagogue and a museum attached to that. Uh, not museum, but uh, cemetery. Um, this week I'm anxious to see what their Christmas theme is going to be like. If so, I'll forward that to Patricia and she can describe the pictures to us. So see what. what oh, there. Okay, okay. We'll see what happens, what they decide as a historical theme. We wore them out last night, I think. You know, we were up, we were up late last night, so, and we, and we, the phones were busy. You know, I think they're, they're all hunk, they're all hunkered in, and Taking a nap and waiting for Christmas to show up, I guess. <laughs> oh. So, so did you feel yesterday's meeting went well with the food with the food people? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh Oh, we haven't talked about this earlier, and I think this is the big, big Christmas theme at your place right now. It's the uh, door decoration, and you're trying to you're trying to fix yours on on the what the 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 Santa on the door. So, so they, so they, so they had different things on P Patricia's door from Santa's. Did some people have different decoration uh, on on each of the door, and then so, and they put masking tape or something there, and they just weren't just wasn't right. So.
Nicht gut. Mhm. Ja, go ahead. <laughs> well, generally you get about, wait, what, three, four hours if you're running just on battery alone, right? Okay. Hello, hello, you're on with Patricia. Yeah, it's Kurt. Hi, Kurt. Hello. How you doing? What? Uh, I just wanted, well, I'm, I'm better right now. Um, mentally, I'm definitely better. And physically, I have trouble getting from place to place, but I'm, I'm doing better um, than I was, so. We'll take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely will. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you guys are both doing well. We are. It must be because you are on the air so much that you must be doing much better, which uh, I'm really glad to note that. Actually, I can hear... Uh, Patricia on the radio, but not... Okay, I can I can take care of that for you. Alright. And Patricia, would you talk to Kurt? No. Uh, yeah, I can hear her on the radio. Uh, well, we're not really doing anything much um, um, big Matt uh, big Matt's wife Jennifer is in the hospital she just had very serious surgery today and uh, so she had pancreatitis and um, they found out that that her pancreas uh, had a lot of necrosis in it and they had to try to make her a new bile duct from the intestine and so she's she's in a, uh, has some really bad problems uh, especially with pain and stuff like that so they took out her gallbladder and she may be home for Christmas, but the irony is that if she comes home on Christmas, she may not be able to eat stuff that um, that, that they make for her, because she may have to go vegan or whatever. So that's really serious. And Matt's um, staying up there with her tonight 
and uh, like she's in lots of pain and stuff from the surgery, so it's a, a real problem. So uh, we could use prayer on that one because she's, uh, you know, very ill. So, but um, like I said, um, I'm doing better. Um, I just got a shower chair a couple of weeks ago, and and that makes uh, showering really easy because I can sit down and not have to stand up the whole time. So not much else is happening, but... Um, um, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing pretty well. Still on my uh, chemotherapy, and those numbers are still uh, coming down and stuff. So, you know, that at least is is looking better. So, and I'm so glad that Patricia, you're doing so much better and and um, able to do a lot of the stuff that you know, you really have needed to do for a long time. So, and of course, Walden is, is handling the Christmas programming and stuff like that, and so that's, that's really nice. And, and of course, I've been hearing John and Larry, so I, but not very often, because they're... No, they're sick right now. Larry's sick, and so we'll... It's going to be a little while, I think, before we'll see how they are this weekend. But uh, They've got so much that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I know. With the performing and all that, I mean, that that's 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 a, a bad um, bad time to be sick. That's true. That is so true. So, but um, I, um, I'm, you know, kind of... I'm not sure how ready I am for Christmas itself, but... Um, well, you know, Kurt, is still with us, and that's what—that's the most important thing, so... Yeah, well, I, that, yeah, that's... I'm, I'm thankful that I am doing better, and I still can't use the computer and stuff. Right. But um, other than that, there's... I'm able to do, you know, other things, and 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 at least as I get longer for uh, past the stroke that I had in, I think that was in June. At least I can read more and understand it better than I was when I uh, first had it. So I am feeling better about about that. Good. So, but I just wanted to to call in, especially to talk to you uh, before Christmas, to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and thank everybody for their prayers, and because I I think they've really made a difference, and I'm I really appreciate the fact that. The family is uh, willing to do that, and yeah. and um, and I thank everybody for that. So, 
But uh, anyway, I just wanted to call and say hello. Hello, Kurt. As it's been such a long time since I've talked to Patricia. I know. And she, between the time that I talked to her, she went from being well to really sick to much better now, so... Yeah, well, she's a yo-yo. You know, she bounces up and down, so she... Well, I'm just, I'm just so glad that... Well, maybe she rather me say she's a weeble-wobble. Are you a weeble-wobble? <laughs> yeah, they, they wobble, but they don't fall down. That's true. I, as I remember the commercial. So... Yeah, there was that fun song with the Weeble Wobble song, and, you know, same thing with Swinky. Swinky always had a fun song to it, too. So, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to thank everybody and just wish everybody um, a Merry Christmas and especially... uh, uh, of course, Jim Taylor, if he's listening, um, we do have to give him uh, an encyclopedic uh, Merry Christmas. That's right. And um, since he has that, all that stuff in his head, and and we feel especially glad that he has all that stuff there. I agree. I agree, Kurt. You know, he even, of course, called up a couple nights ago and talked to Dr. Beal and uh, asking him some questions. And and the stuff that he has in his head about even having to do with records and stuff like that uh, and stuff that he used to have, and um, that's been especially interesting uh, in the last... Well, the Sunday show was really interesting. Good. So I will let you go, and hopefully somebody else will call in. But we will. I'll have I'll have him call in a minute. I'm going to do a telephone test with Patricia. So thank you, Kurt, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Hopefully. Good night. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. What well, I'm going to do it. I I well, I did that for a certain reason. I can do that in a second. I'm gonna call my. I'm gonna, wait, what? Wait, did? I'm calling myself. Okay, Patricia, can you hear me? Okay. Hello. myself or see her. Why is that crazy? You know, it worked fine yesterday. And right now, I see her. Do, 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 do,
call myself. Well, I'm trying to see why we're not getting anything on the phone. Hmm. Hello there. Okay. Yeah, but if I'm on the phone, I don't hear myself on the phone. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, but I can see why Kurt didn't get this call. Um, let's see, hold on. Do, do, do. I'm just having so much fun. I'm having so much fun playing with the phones. Let's see here. <laughs> yeah, they hear you just fine. They can. Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. I know what it was. Oh, what? Oh. oh heavens, heavens to Betsy. I know. Oh, okay. Now I, now I know the secret. What? Well... Stupid Walden. Now I'm learning more about things that the older I get, right? So I'm not stupid. See. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> now well, you I have an email from David in Greensboro, North Carolina, who said he can hear us. Well, good. Thank you, David. Good, David. Well, now this is the reason why we're learning how Walden did this one. Walden's second computer was updating, so Walden turned down the second computer part. Well, I didn't realize that Patricia heard on the second computer. So in order for the caller to hear Patricia, I got to have that part open. So no wonder they couldn't hear that. <laughs> I can sure hear you. Well, oh, good. Now I can turn myself down. That way you're not, uh-huh. you're not killed. Okay. Yeah. All right. How about that, Patricia? That Keep going up. Hello, hello, hello. Up, not down. Mm-hmm. Keep counting. Now you're gone. Well then. Uh-huh. Where did you go? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Stop. Okay. Stop at eleven. Okay. All right. I I love playing with your buttons. No, stop at eight. <laughs> <laughs> You count so softly, and then you say, okay, hello. I I love to play with Patricia's buttons. She's so good. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You sure know how to push my buttons, bucko. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can we can take phone calls if you like, because now I know, some, I know something now that I should never be doing before, just not turn that thing down. So, so oh. that's, that's good. So, so there. Yeah. So there. 
so we want people to say hello and Merry Christmas. And if they don't, I'm going to read more Christmas stuff. Good. Well, up to you. Now, now it's almost 1 o'clock. And we, we, it's, you know, how long do you, you want to mm-hmm. stay? You want to stay on for another two minutes, one minute, five minutes? You tell me. Or, or a few. Okay. A few. A few. You can give Patricia a call. She can hear you now. You can hear her now because she heard you before. <laughs> right. But now so, that we're almost ready to, to <laughs> say goodnight, you can call so, and you'll be able to hear us. That's right. So Isn't one, four, that marvelous? Five, four, five, two, oh, someone. We'll do good, really good with a blind engineer. Well, you know, even, you know, good thing I have an IQ of two, of a dollar ninety-eight. so we're able to figure this all out. <laughs> Oh, well, let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, who was the first president to use electric lights on a Christmas tree inside the White House? Uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. No. Oh, okay. Goodness. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. No. Much farther back. Much further back. Grover Cleveland Alexander. Yes, Grover, All Cleveland, right. 1895, was the first president to use electric lights on a Christmas tree inside the White House. How about that? Yeah. Uh, tell me the first year Rockefeller Center had a Christmas tree lighting. Hmm. A, a formal one, I'm assuming, what they're talking about. I think... Uh, 1923. 33. That was very good. I would have guessed much, much later than that. Mm-hmm. So you, you did well. Because I'm thinking, I, I was thinking of the, uh, the rockets and all those theaters and that, at th- mm-hmm. that time I was thinking. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Rockefellers and the Rockets are not related. <laughs> They're not. They're not related. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. You are so funny. In 1942, however, and this is from my brain, so I hope it's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1942, Rockefeller Center had three Christmas trees. They had one decorated in red, one in white, and one in blue as a wartime effort to support our troops. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that cool? Very nice. I liked that a lot. Very nice. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let me see what else I have for you here. Mm-mm-mm. The world's first singing commercial. Tell me about it. Um, it's the one with Ernest and Harris singing. We were the, uh, how you do, everybody, how you do. The woven, the weaving woven pairs. Really? <laughs> you lost me halfway through there. <laughs> if I didn't have an answer in front of me, I'd believe every word you said. Because <laughs> you say it with such authority. First singing commercial aired yeah. on Christmas Eve 1926, mm-hmm. and it was for Wheaties cereal. You so you have the verse, can I have you sing it to us? I, I don't have any idea how it <laughs> sounded. Well, I mean... 1926. You, you you have a beautiful singing voice, so... 
Ladies and gentlemen, here is with her opera debut. Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs> we will do Wheaties, yes. Let's see. What do, what do we got here? They get a spur on that bed line. Oh, my goodness. In 2001, mm-hmm. the, this is far back, Guinness World Book of Records. Guinness Book of World Records. I always get that backwards. The There was a town in Poland who attempted to get a position in the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest gingerbread house. It was made in, I cannot pronounce this, I will say, Sesh. <laughs> I won't say it. It's it's S Z C Z E C I N Poland. Four thousand loaves of brick shaped gingerbread that measured eleven and a half feet high. It took a week to create it and it used six thousand eggs and two thousand pounds of flour plus five hundred and fifty pounds of shortening and they lost to an American team. I don't know what the American team baked though. But it was bigger than 11 and a half feet high. A ton of flour, 2,000 pounds of flour. I hope they made it in an open air square so people could come up and just take a chunk when they went shopping. That'd be a nice Christmas gift, huh? Oh boy! Oh wow! Indeed. Actually, oh. actually, that would probably be a big, a big success if somebody had an outdoor cooking event. Mm-hmm. And so people who go shopping can go by and pick up their uh, little sweet or little sandwich mm-hmm. as they go on the house. I, I saw pictures of the competition for the world's largest pizza. And oh, it filled an entire... Yeah. It was a, time, a town square. And people would go by and grab a chunk of pizza. I don't know, sitting out in the sun and having people's hands all over it. It didn't look particularly appetizing <laughs> to me, but it looked like people were having a good time. Just ripping chunks of pizza <laughs> off the town square. <laughs> oh, fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. Okay. In early England, there was a traditional Christmas dinner. had one particular item on it, and it was prepared with mustard. What do you think that item was? Huh. Mustard? It was prepared with mustard. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Hamburgers. The I head know. of a pig. Oh. I know. That doesn't sound. That doesn't sound too tasty, does it? It doesn't sound appetizing. I bet they saved a lot of money on groceries yeah. that day. Yeah. Sheesh. Ooh. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. Let's see. Which state was the first? to recognize Christmas as an official holiday. Not a federal holiday, but an official holiday. Nebraska. No. Aren't you sad that you missed out on that one? It was the the great state of New Jersey. It was the great state of Alabama. Ah. 1836. How about that? That's not bad. Not bad at all for Alabama to do Uh, that. I don't know what they're going to do about this this year, but the busiest shopping days of the year are the Friday and Saturday before Christmas. Mm -hmm. I guess they can still do that this year. 
because Sunday is Christmas Eve, right? Right. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah, so they can still do that, Friday and Saturday. Get out there and do your shopping, but wait long enough to get all the good sales when the prices start coming down. And don't get sick by breathing in other people's germs while you're out there. Oh, oh, Okay, let me see. An artificial spider and web are often included in the decorations on Ukrainian Christmas trees. A spider web found on Christmas morning is believed to bring good luck. So they don't take any chances. They make their own. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, it is 101 on the East Coast. I will let you, because you stayed on extra late last night, so we'll let you. Yeah, we didn't have a whole lot of, um, we had too much fun. I didn't want to go home. Yeah. So So tomorrow, tomorrow, I will be back tomorrow with you. Yeah. And I'll bring my power cord and keep my computer plugged in so that I can keep it open for a million years instead of just one. (laughs) All right, my dear. Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. We're coming back for more. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. All right. And we'll see. We're pulling stuff out for CDs. See what I'm putting together. Hoping this is what I'm hoping for. Because we're pointing things from a CD tonight. And let's load this up. That. I'm hoping for the ABC Christmas party, but let's see if, that, if, I, if we're right about that or not. A full 90 minutes of Christmas Eve fun. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to be doing now. Well, I got to pick up CDs off the floor. And so that's okay. I don't know how I did that mess. What's your prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful Christmas season. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and have fellowship. Bless the bless Patricia as she is doing so well. Look after her. Thank her for all the gifts she brings us of her personality and charisma and her enthusiasm. Bless our listening family out there, Lord. Help them. Make them feel happy and comfortable and warm tonight. Thank you for Kurt. Bless him. Heal him, Lord. We ask this. Help his family, too. They get through illness. Help a lot of families. Help my mom with her bladder issues and my dad with his back. and Help everybody else who's got physical issues. Help all of us who have financial difficulties this time. Bless them, Lord. Give them resources to do your will. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here we are. Christmas Eve, 1946. The Paul Whiteman Christmas Eve special. There was one in 1945, which was an hour, but this one was a blockbuster. And something I've always enjoyed listening to. So with that, the Paul Whiteman Christmas Eve on ABC... With many, many stars for the next 90 minutes here on Yesterday USA. A full 90 minutes of Christmas Eve fun at Paul Whiteman's ABC Christmas Party.
tonight we're gathered coast to coast under the American Broadcasting Company's giant yuletide tree for a Paul Whiteman ABC Christmas party. A full hour and a half of fun. So hang your stockings by your loudspeaker and get ready to receive such presents from your favorite ABC stars, such as... From Hollywood. Bing Crosby, Don Wilson, Kenny Baker, Don McNeil, Tom Brenneman, and Lum and Abner. From Miami. Walter Winchell. From New York. Henry Morgan, Basil Rathbone, Geraldine Fitzgerald, Patrice Mansell, The Fat Man, Eugenie Baird, The Whiteman Orchestra, and Chorus. And here's our host, music director of the American Broadcasting Company and dean of modern American music, Santa Claus in person, Paul Whiteman. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. And as a poet once said, says the night before Christmas, so greetings to all. If you sit back and listen, we'll have a big ball. Your stockings all hung by the speaker with care, we'll fill to the top with tops of the air. So mother and daughter and father and son, the party's all ready now. Let's have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, that's only the beginning. As we go along, we mean to fill your stockings with stars. For instance, I look into my pack here, and what do I find? The ambassador from Broadway to the world. And we know you'll want to hear the special Christmas editorial that could be delivered only by the editor of the Jurgens Journal, Walter Winchell. So come in, Miami, and Walter Winchell. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. Everybody. This is your New York correspondence report on Christmas 1946. The holiday glow warms our land. Our cities, towns, villages, and whistle stops are alive with good cheer. The night sings with the sound of yuletide bells, and the fingertips of trees are bejeweled with gleaming and dancing lights. Families are feasting on love and friendship. Laughter ripples in the throats of little children, Jack and Jill, and Jane and Jimmy. 
and a home becomes a cathedral tonight. Composers have put the magic of Christmas to music. Poets have sung its dreams and words. But the meaning of Christmas can be defined in one word, brotherhood, a really beautiful word and a wonderful ideal. In fact, it is the password to peace and goodwill. If all of us define that word, brotherhood, with our lives, the politicians and the warriors who crawl this earth would go out of business overnight because you could then tear up all their so-called charters and pacts and treaties and make confetti of them all to celebrate the approach of paradise. You see, it is as simple as love thy neighbor. The strongest man was the gentlest. His truths will always comfort and inspire those who have faith in him. His faith has never been more urgent. The star of Christmas remains the beacon for men of goodwill who seek peace. And the way to peace is as close as the nearest Bible. We will have peace when people remember that there are many different nations, but one universe. We will have peace when people know that there are many different religions, but one God. And when people remember that all of us came from the same dust. There is not one single social problem that cannot be solved by the Ten Commandments. There is not one single economic or political problem that cannot be solved by the Sermon on the Mount. And the best plan for universal amity is the golden rule. This weary world must rededicate itself to the greatest power of all, devotion to God. We can find our way through the uncertain future by following the road that began at Bethlehem. The place to start that journey is in your own heart. Good night and a very Merry Christmas. Paul Whiteman has more ABC stars to put in your Christmas stocking, so we return you to New York. Thank you, Walter Winchell. Is this the way to Paul Whiteman's ABC Christmas party? No, young lady, this ain't the way to it. This is it. <laughs> well, then I have a Christmas card for you. Here it is. Uh, let me see. This card says, uh, as a gift to be placed in the stocking of every ABC listener, the Metropolitan Opera Association presents its youngest prima donna, Patrice Munsell. We're glad to have you, Patrice, and all I can say is this. When lovely girls like you become opera singers, why did I have to take up jazz? <laughs> well, you might be surprised, Pops, at the number of opera stars who are personal pals of Minnie the Moocher. But the Texas Company's Saturday afternoon Metropolitan Opera broadcasts are very popular with ABC listeners. So tonight, I'd like to place an operatic gift in their stocking. Well, good, and in my opinion... No young lady in or out of the opera can fill a stocking better than lovely Patrice Munsell. <laughs> but you tell us about your gift, Patrice. Well, I think one of the most popular of all coloratura arias is the Polonaise from the Opera Mignon. It's lilting, light-hearted, and gay, and it's called Je suis Titania. I am fair Titania. With Paul Whiteman's help, here it is. 
you, Patrice Munsell, and may all your Christmases be bright. Ah, but our Santa Claus pack is still bulging with gifts, so... Hey, just a minute, you. Just a minute. Yeah, what can I do for you, tall, dark, and uh, fatter than I am? I'm looking for a cat or a swine. And when I find this arch-criminal, I'll break every bone in his body. But who are you, fatso? What's your name? The name, sir, is J. Scott Smart. Oh, of course, you're ABC's famous Sunday night detective, the Fat Man. Yes, Paul, that's right. But when uh, paunchy Pop Whiteman calls the Fat Man fat, that's a case of the pop calling the kettle black. Hey, Fatso? <laughs> Just so, Fatso, but uh, about this criminal you're trailing, are you serious about that? Deadly serious, Paul. And this is the way it all came about. It started in my office around 8. Christmas Eve. I was finishing up some odds and ends so I'd have time the next day for a Yuletide dinner and a couple of hours of relaxation. Suddenly, the door opened and a man walked in. Maybe walk is the wrong word to use. Crawl or slithered would be better because he looked like a guy with one foot in the grave and the other on a blob of motor oil. With his eyes pinned on mine, he came up to my desk, clutching a small scrap of paper in his trembling hand. You? You're the fat man? Yes, that's right. My name's Alex. Alex Just who? Alex is enough. What's on your mind, Alex? I got a job for you. On Christmas Eve? This job can't wait. It's got to be cracked by midnight. It pays off, too, in spades. What's it all about? You better prepare for a jolt, fat man. Oh, I'm used to jolts. I don't care what you're used to. This is like getting a slug in a solar plexus. Stop pinning that crepe on my ears and come out with it. All right, fat man. I only hope you can take it. Here, here, just read what's on this paper. I unfolded the piece of paper he handed me and read five words. He said I'd get a slug in the solar plexus when I read it. But, brother, how he underestimated. Those five simple words squeezed the breath out of my lungs like a punctured inner tube. And I felt my spine get icy cold. <coughs> who wrote this? I don't know. That's why I'm here. You're the guy who's got to find out. Does anyone else know? I don't think so. Not yet. The papers would be full of it by now. But you've got to get the guy who wrote that fat man. You've got to nab him fast. Don't you see what this means? Don't you understand? Do you think I'm an idiot? Of course I understand. I've got an idea who's behind it, too. Yeah? There's only one man I know of who'd be tough enough and mean enough for a job like this. Bug-Eye Louie. <laughs> Bug-Eye? You've heard of him? I guess everybody's heard of Bug-Eye. Sure. His reputation is lower than a sewer. He'd stick his, a knife in his grandmother for a plug nickel... He'd set fire to a hospital for a ten-cent cigar. You got nerve enough to see him, Runyon? He doesn't scare me. But first, I'm doing a little checking up. The Missing Persons Bureau, the morgue, and every flop house in the city. 
Then I'm having myself a talk with Bug Eye. For the next three hours, I went through the city like a vacuum cleaner, looking for information. As far as I could make out, Alex and I were the only ones who had the dope. But if it ever leaked out... A little before midnight, I dropped into the fallen angel. I stepped up to the bar then had a casual look around. The joint was mobbed with the usual crowd, half of them packing guns. The place was tough, and the clientele was even tougher. It seemed like a likely place to get buried from. Then I noticed something else. A few feet away from me at the bar, she was tall, slim, and beautiful in a strapless evening gown. But her eyes were two pieces of dry ice. She looked at me, and I looked at her. Then she slid over. Hello, fat man. Well, who are you, sweetheart? Brenda. Brenda what? Just Brenda's enough. Doesn't anyone ever have a last name anymore? Looking for someone, fat man? Yeah, baby. Bug-Eye Louie. What's on your mind? That's my business, and Bug-Eye's. You'd better be careful. Coppers are poison to Bug-Eye. I don't get much of an appetite with his kind either, sweetheart. And I've got a gun that can talk his language. Listen, fat man. Take a tip from me. Get out of here while the getting's good. You heard her, fat man. You better take her advice. Well, Bug-Eye Louie. Good evening. Yeah, what's good about it? Not you. I was hoping I'd meet up with you one day. The feeling was mutual. Don't start anything, honey. Not in here. You keep quiet. That's not a nice way to talk to a lady. Well, you find out how I talk to a gent. Don't reach for your gun, Bug-Eye. What are you doing here, fat man? What do you want? An explanation. For what? For this. Oh, so it got back to you, huh? I'll say it did. Now, out with it, you murderous weasel. Is it true or isn't it? You'll find out in just a few seconds. It's midnight. <laughs> sure. All right, rat, start marching. You're on your way to headquarters. Says who? Bug, I know. Don't you? Come out here, quick. What's up, Alex? Come out and look. He's here. What's that? But a guy's nuts. It's a lie, Runyon. Bug Eye was lying. It's okay now. Everything's okay. Where is he? Up there. Just coming around behind the top of that building. I have all a double crossing. It's a good thing for you, my flat-headed friend, that you did get a double cross. It's a good thing for you the five words on this paper weren't true. What five words? What does that paper say? There ain't no Santa Claus. <laughs> Yes, that was a night to remember. My blood still runs cold when I think of what might have happened if the old boy hadn't been on time. We all stared up into that sky with a feeling of relief and joy. Even Bug Eye seemed to soften, and his face took on a funny smile. As I turned and started walking slowly back to my apartment for a good night's rest, 
I heard his grating, pebbly voice behind me as he called out, Merry Christmas, fat man! Now the next gift we want to put in your radio stocking is something very special. She's a beautiful actress who's also a very fine singer. And just to show you how I feel about her, I'm going over right now and try to date her up. Uh, pardon me, miss. Uh, didn't I meet you at Atlantic City? Dear me, what a very corny approach. <laughs> corny? What do you mean, corny? Before you say a thing like that, Junior, you're supposed to give a wolf whistle. A tweet, a tweet. <laughs> And there she is, guest of the party. She's lovely, she uses bubble gum, and she's not engaged. Nine-year-old Joan Laser. <laughs> and now, Joan, suppose you tell us about your Christmas gift to our ABC listeners. It's Ken Darby's very special musical setting of the grand old poem, "'Twas a Night Before Christmas." as only Pops Whiteman can present it. And right now, starring our nomination for Miss America of 1956, Joan Laser. Comet on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the 
Company is filling your stocking with stars as you listen to Paul Whiteman's ABC Christmas Party. Now here's Paul Whiteman himself to tell you about the presents still in his Santa Claus pack. That's right, men and women of goodwill. And we hope there's still room in your radio stocking for such stars as Bing Crosby, Henry Morgan, Basil Rathbone, Geraldine Fitzgerald, Don Wilson, Tom Brenneman, Don McNeil, Kenny Baker, and Lumen Adner. And right now it's Eugenie Baird and Paul Whiteman as orchestra and chorus in Jingle Bells. Jingle bell, 
all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Now the ground is white. Go it while you're young. Take the girl tonight and sing this sleighing song. Just get a bobtail nag to 44 his speed. Then hitch him to an open sleigh and crack, you'll take the lead. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open Christmas Eve is traditional for good little children, but right now, digging down in the bottom of our pack, we come upon a bad little boy named Henry Morgan. Here at ABC, we've done our best with Henry, but you know how those things are. Just the other day, he offered to give his listeners radio vice presidents, the thin ones for bookmarks and the fat ones for doorstops. So as you can see, there's nothing to say about Henry except that... Uh, Good evening, anybody. Here's Morgan. <laughs> Christmas Eve seems like a pretty good time to look back for a moment and see what it was that brought me and the Eversharp Schick Company together. I want to wish you and them the best of everything tonight, but somehow I'll never forget the day I finally got in to see the vice president of the company, <laughs> who was very anxious to sponsor this program that he'd heard about. He had this big, impressive office, see, with a lot of books and pictures. And when I came in, he said, How do you do? <laughs> uh, uh, what's your name? Uh, look, um, what kind of program is this here program of yours like anyways, huh? Well, it's... i uh, tell you what we need here. You see, now, um, what we need here is a good bloody detective show. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Uh, perhaps you mean uh, something like this? Now you got me back in this corner, Mushhead Maloney, with a door locked and no windows and a hundred feet off the ground and soundproof walls and you got a gun and I ain't and we're 12 miles from town and I'm bleeding to death. Well, what will happen now? Will Sam Shovel be able to get out of this? Will a mysterious stranger return? And what of little Murgatroyd? Who is Sylvia? <laughs> How deep is the ocean? What time is it? Who won the fourth at Hialeah? Uh, is that uh, sort of what you had in mind? Uh, not exactly, no. You see, what we really need is more of the um, audience participation type show, you know what I mean? Where, you know, where the people say them funny answers. Oh, uh, 
Maybe you mean something like this. Uh, what's your name, sir? Smith, eh? Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> Simply great. And how long you been married, Mr. Smith? Oh, I see. Got a divorce yesterday, huh? Ha <laughs> fine. Give him a little hand, folks. <laughs> and here you are, sir, for being a brilliant guy and a wonderful sport and a great little guy and a brilliant guy. Here's a case of scotch, a new Cadillac, and a poster chair, a deck of marked cards, and all the land west of the Mississippi River. <laughs> what you had in mind? Uh, not exactly, no. <laughs> no, it, um, it needs more of, uh, you know, like a news commentator, maybe. I see. Uh, you mean, uh, something like this? It was predicted in this column last month, mind you, that this month would be December. <laughs> Later, it was reprinted in somebody else's column. <laughs> this Boy, thinks he should get the credit, but I said it first, I said it first, I said it first. Ha! I got it first from our next president, J. Edgar Hoover. Is that what you had in mind? Uh, not exactly, no. <laughs> you, know, you see, it'd be better if uh, you had some dialects in it, you know what I mean? Oh, dialects, uh, uh yes, uh, you mean uh, something like this? We want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, no. <laughs> Higher, maybe. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. No, no. Madame Monsieur, for you with me, my heart is joyful. Uh-uh. Comrade! No, no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Nope. Hey, Pat, did you hear the one about the two Irishmen? No, can't say that I have. Well, that's us. Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Except that it should. Have an orchestra and some jokes, you know what I mean? Well, to tell you the truth, I'm afraid I don't get it. What is it that you really want? Well, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Here at the American Broadcasting Company, we're all very proud of the full-hour Sunday evening program known as the Theater Guild of the Air. We hope we're not being immodest because a great many of you listeners have backed up our belief that it's the most distinguished dramatic program in all radio. This party wouldn't be complete without a visit from United States Steel's program, the Theater Guild on the Air. So we are proud to present Basil Rathbone and Geraldine Fitzgerald in an adaptation of Stephen Vistenay's little miracle play, A Child is Born. <laughs> Thank you. 
There is a town where men and women live their lives as people do in troubled times, times when the world is shaken. There is an inn. A woman sings there in the early morning. In Bethlehem of Judea, there shall be born a child, a child born of woman, as yet undefiled. King Herod, King Herod, now what will you say of the child in the stable this cold winter day? I hear the wind blow. Singing again? I told you not to sing. I'm sorry. I forgot. Forgot. That's fine. That's wonderful. That answers everything. The times are hard enough and bad enough for anyone who tries to keep an inn and get enough bread to stick in his own mouth and keep things going somehow in his town. The country's occupied. We have no country. You've heard of that, perhaps. You've seen their soldiers, haven't you? You know just what can happen to our sort of people once there's a little trouble? Answer me. I'm sorry. I forgot. Sorry, forgot. You're always saying that. Is your business what King Herod does? Is your place to sing against King Herod? I think that he must be a wicked man. A very wicked man. Oh, la, la, la. Sometimes I think your ways will drive me mad. Are you a statesman or a general? Do you pretend to know the ins and outs of politics and why the great folk do the things they do and why we have to bear them? Because it's we, we, we who have to bear them, first and last and always, in every country and every time. It grinds us like dry wheat between the stones. Don't you know that? I know that somehow kings should not be wicked and grind down the people. I know that kings like Herod should not be. Still, there he is. He's king. Now, will it help if I go out and write on someone's wall? Down with King Herod. What's it worth? A cross to me? The whipping post for you? The inns burned down? The village fined for treason just because one man didn't like King Herod? Uh, well, that's the way things are. Something must come. Oh, believe it if you choose. But meanwhile, if we are clever... We can live and even thrive a little. Clever wheat that slips between the grinding stones and grown in little green blades sprinkles on the ground. At least if you'll not sing subversive songs to other people but your poor old husband. Uh, come, wife, I've got some news. The prefect comes to dinner here tonight with all his officers. Oh, yes, I know the enemy, of course, the enemy, but someone has to feed them. <coughs> Why do you sit there, staring at the fire, so silent and so waiting and so still? I do not know. I'm waiting. Waiting? For what? I do not know. For something new and strange. Something I've dreamt about in some deep sleep, truer than any waking heard about long ago, so long ago, in sunshine and the summer grass of childhood when the sky seemed so near. I do not know its shape, its will, its purpose, 
and yet all day its will has been upon me, more real than any voice I ever heard, more real than yours or mine or our dead child's. More real than all the voices there upstairs brawling above their cups. More real than light. And there is light in it. And fire and peace. Newness of heart and strangeness like a sword. And all my body trembles under it. And yet, I do not know. You're tired, my dear. Well... We shall sleep soon. No, I am not tired. I am expectant. For us all, for all of us who live and suffer on this little earth with such small brotherhood. Something begins. Something is full of change and sparkling stars. Something is loosed. It changes all the world. And yet, I cannot read it yet. I wait and strive and cannot find it. Hark. What's that? They can't come in. I don't care who they are. We have no room. Go to the door. Well? Is this the inn? Sir, we are travelers, and it is late and cold. May we enter? Who is it? Just a pair of country people, a woman and a man. I'm sorry for them, but... My wife and I are weary. May we come in? I'm sorry, my good man. We have no room tonight. The prefect's orders. No room at all? No, no, it's not my fault. Wait. Good sir, the enemy are in our house, and we... I did not see your wife. I did not know. Her name is Mary. She is near her time. Yes, yes. Go, get a lantern, quickly. What? Quickly. There is... We have a stable at the inn, safe from the cold at least. And if you choose, you shall be very welcome. It's poor. But the poor share the poor their crumbs of bread out of God's hand so gladly. And that may count for something. Will you share it? Gladly. And with great joy. The lantern, husband. Nay, I will take it. I can see the path. Come. night deepens. The stars march in the sky. The prefect's men are gone. The inn is quiet. But in the street outside, the shepherds from the hills, voices raised to the glory of the star, move humbly past the inn to the stable all living flows. The shepherds and great kings with strange and memorable beasts and crowns upon their heads.
understand it. They're gone. They do not even look at me or pause. Though there's no other end, they follow the poor shepherd to the stable. They would not tally with us. No, not one. And yet... Chief, husband, you know well enough why none would tally with us. And so do I. I lay a while in sleep, and a voice said to me, Gloria, Gloria, Gloria in excelsis Deo. The child is born. The child, the child is born. And yet, I did not rise up and go to him, though I had waited and expected long. For I was jealous that my child would die and her child live. And so, I have my judgment, and it is just. If there was any false wife, it was mine. I did not wish to turn them from my door, and yet I know I love the chink of money, love it too well, the good, sound, thumping coin, love it. Oh, God, since I'm speaking truth, it's better than a wife or f fire or chick or child, better than country, better than good fame, would sell my people for it in the street. Oh, for a price, but sell them. And there are many like me, and God pity us. God pity us, indeed. For we are human and do not always see the vision when it comes, the shining change. Or if we see it, do not follow it, because it is too hard, too strange, too new, too unbelievable, too difficult, warring too much with common, easy ways. And now I know this, standing in this light. Life is not lost by dying. Life is lost minute by minute day by dragging day, in all the thousand small, uncaring ways, the smooth, appeasing compromises of time, which are King Herod and King Herod's men always and always. You who love money, you who love yourself, you who love bitterness, and I, who loved and lost and thought I could not love again, and all the people of this little town, rise up. The loves we had were not enough. Something is loose to change the shaken world, and with it, we must change. Now, that's well said. Who speaks there? Who are you? Who? Oh, my name is Disney. I'm a thief. You know, the starved, flea-bitten sort of boy who haunts dark alleyways in any town, sleeps on a soap sack, runs from the police, begs what he can, and borrows what he must. That's me. What have you taken? Nothing. I tried the stable first, and then the cellar. Slipped in, crept up, rolled underneath the bench, while all your honest backs were turned. And then... And then? Well, something happened. I don't know what. I didn't see your shepherds or your kings, but in the stable I did see the child, just through a crack in the board. One moment's space. That's all that I can tell you. Is he for me as well? Is he for me? For you as well. Has he come to all of us or just to you? To every man alive. If it were true, if he had really come to all of us, I say to all of us, then honest man or thief, I'd hang upon a cross for him. Would you? I see that I've said something you don't like, something uncouth and bold and terrifying. And yet I'll tell you this. 
It won't be till each one of us is willing, not you, not me, but every one of us, to hang upon a cross for every man who suffers, starves, and dies. Fight his sore battles as they were our own and help him from the darkness and the mire that there will be no crosses and no tyrants, no Herods and no slaves. Well, it was pleasant thinking things might be so. And so I'll say farewell. I've taken nothing. And he was a fair child to look on. Wait. Why? What is it you see there by the window? The dawn. The common day. The ordinary poor and mortal day. The shepherds and the kings have gone away. The great angelic visitors are gone. He is alone. He must not be alone. I do not understand you, wife. Nor I. Do you not see? Because I see it last. Dismas, the thief, is right. He comes to all of us or comes to none. Do you not see he must not be alone? I think that I begin to see, and yet... We are the earth his word must sow like wheat, and if it finds no earth, it cannot grow. We are his earth, the mortal and the dying, led by no star, the sullen and the slut, the thief, the selfish man, the barren woman, who have betrayed him once and will betray him, forget his word, be great a moment's space under the strokes of chance, and then sink back into our small affairs. And yet, unless we go, his message fails. Will he bring peace? Will he bring brotherhood? He will bring peace. He would bring brotherhood. And yet, he will be mocked at in the streets. Will he slay King Herod and rule us all? He will not slay King Herod. He will die. There will be other Herods, other tyrants, great wars and ceaseless struggles to be free, not always won. Uh, these are sad tidings of him. No, no. They are glad tidings of great joy, because he brings man's freedom in his hand. And though he die, his word shall grow like wheat. And every time a child is born in pain and love and freedom hardly won, born and gone forth to help and aid mankind, there will be women with a right to say, Gloria, Gloria in excelsis Deo, a child is born. Come, let us go. What can we bring to him? What mortal gift? My pockets empty and my rags are bare. But I can sing to him. That's what I'll do. And if he needs a thief to die for him... I will give all my gold. I will give my heart. And I, my faith, through all the years and years, though I forget, though I am led astray, though after this I never see his face, I will give all my faith. Come, let us go. We, the poor earth, but we the faithful earth, not yet the joyful, not yet the triumphant, but faithful, faithful through the mortal years. Come. Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Come, ye all, come ye to Bethlehem. 
fine performance on a fitting theme. To Basil Rathbone and Geraldine Fitzgerald, our blessings and our thanks. But right now, a lot of fine people out in Hollywood are waiting to share in our Christmas Eve fun. How about it, Hollywood? Come in, Don Wilson. See what happened. This is just the USA. We'll be featuring the next part. Okay. Let's hit that. Put this here. Grab that here. Okay, see if the CD player works. was really wonderful, Pop. Now you and the Whiteman Band and all your New York guests can squat around the ABC Christmas tree while out here in Hollywood we take over our portion of the party. And we have a lot of your favorite old friends here with us for this occasion. Bing Crosby, Lumet Abner, Tom Brenneman, and Don McNeil, and our first ABC guest, that grand singer and exciting new comedian, Kenny Baker. <laughs> Don Wilson, and thank you, everybody. But, Don, I'm afraid I haven't too much time to spend with you this evening. You see, I've got to get back to Glamour Manor and get ready for my own Christmas party. Well, that's all right, Kenny. We were sort of expecting a song, but if you're in a hurry, I'll sing. <laughs> oh, Don, you're kidding. Oh, no, I'm not. I started in radio as a singer. Yeah, and all that's left now is the body of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm serious, Kenny. I started in Denver in 1923 as a singer. Oh, you did? And in some places, I'm considered even bigger than Crosby. Yeah. In some places, you are bigger than Crosby. <laughs> in fact, Don, you've got places where places aren't even supposed to be. Oh, you think I'm fat? Well, what are those things around your middle? Tires? Well, they're not fat. Then what are they? Tires. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder. You have the only belt buckle in Los Angeles that lights up and flashes Goodrich Silvertown. <laughs> Well, Kenny, since you can't stay and I have to go to the hotel and get some fresh clothes, how about all of us dropping over to Glamour Manor a little later on, huh? Oh, Don, that'd be wonderful. And bring the whole ABC network with you, will you? Well, hey, radio uh, wonderful folks. That's a date, Kenny. All right. How are the Christmas preparations uh, going on over at our little hotel? Well, fine, Don, except for one thing. I can't get used to Christmas in Hollywood, you know, no snap in the air, no snow. What do you mean? It's good and cold in California. It says here in this Florida paper. Yeah. Well, it's, 
It could be cold. I, I don't really know because a fan of Glamour Manor sent me a handmade quilt for my bed all the way from South Carolina. Oh, one of those Southern comforts. Oh, an excellent Christmas spirit. <laughs> well, I see what you mean, but as long as I know that you're going to sing White Christmas, let's pause long enough for station identification. All right, Don. And now, Kenny Baker, accompanied by Harry Lubin's orchestra. The nationwide party is all yours. seeing you just a little later when we drop in on you at Glamour Man. Well, so long, Don, and don't forget, that's a date, Okay. You know. <laughs> well, what comes next is, I guess, something just a little new, even on a transcontinental radio program like this Christmas party. Because Tom Brenneman in Hollywood and Don McNeil in Chicago both have to be up with Santa Claus Reindeer in the morning to do their own two shows. And they're not with us this evening in the studio. But instead, 
We've run special lines into the living room of Tom Brenneman's house out here and to Don McNeil's family, gathering two-thirds of the way across the country, not only so they can talk to each other and to you, but so they can both be with their families this Christmas Eve. So now that I've explained it, there's nothing left to do but just have our engineer throw the switch, which takes us to Tom Brenneman's home at Encino, California. Thank you, Don. Thanks, Don. Yeah, well, as Don just told you, there's someone else to make this a joint party. <laughs> so I'll say hello to Don McNeil in the living room of his joint in Winnetka, Illinois. Hello, Tom Brenneman. Merry Christmas from the Don McNeil family gathered here at home in our living room. But, you know, Tom, calling yeah. this dump, uh, uh, this home, uh, I've worked so hard for a joint. That wasn't the kindest introduction I've ever had. Oh, Don... Wait a minute. Don't take it that way, Don. After huh? all, it was only a joke in the spirit of the Christmas party. Yeah, what a joke. I guess if that joke showed up as a guest on your program, you'd have to give it two orchids, huh? Merry Christmas, Tom. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much, Don. But at least on my program, we don't have to march the audience around to wake them up again. Again, that is. Merry Christmas, Don. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> well, I just bet you're a scream there tonight in your own home wearing funny-looking hats to make your family roar. <laughs> I can just see you. I don't have to wear anything. You said what? I don't have to wear anything. Oh, isn't it a little chilly that way in Chicago now? <laughs> yes, it is, Tom. Mm -hmm. Next month we pay the gas bill. You don't sound so hot yourself. Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you, Don. Thank you very much, Edith. What do you mean, not so hot? Huh? I'm a movie star. My picture, Breakfast in Hollywood, was so big a success the studio wants me to do another picture. Well, you go right ahead. Don't you mind what everybody says about your last picture. I liked it. What's this one going to be, Lassie move over? Oh, no. You know, Sam, Don, yeah. you must show me the room where you age your old jokes. <laughs> well, seriously, Tom, you know, it's too doggone bad we don't have a chance to really visit in each other's homes, but this is the next best thing. Swell talking to you. Neighbors, may this Christmas be the best one ever, and may the new year bring you all the things you want most for yourselves. Oh, th thank you very much, Don. You know, it's great chinning with you on this Christmas Eve. And before you go, I've got a, a few in my family that I'd like to talk to a few in your family, huh? Oh, great. Put them on, Tom. Well, first, I want you to meet my w wife. You've met, already met Billy. Uh -huh. And where's Kay? Hello, Billy. Hello, Kay. How uh, are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, oh, you I'm just fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do you like that? We don't get a chance, do we? Well, no, we don't. It seems wonderful to hear your lovely laugh again. Well, thank you. It's very nice talking to you, too. Well, thank you, Billy. That'll be all. Goodbye, Merry, Mike. Merry Christmas Merry to Christmas. you Merry and to Don and the children. Merry Christmas to you also, all of you. Thank you, you. Aren't you the boss in your house? Make your wife keep still, Tom. Oh, <laughs> he's not the boss. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> no. Say, Don. Yeah. How's the weather back there? Oh, it's fine. Nice and brisk and cold. How's it out there, Tom? Oh, it's lovely. It's now about, uh, well, it's almost five minutes after eight, and it's raining cats and dogs. No fooling. Yes. Only we don't have dogs. <laughs> Don. Yeah. Here's a, a member of my family you have met, my charming daughter, Gloria. How do you do, Miss... How do you do, Mr. McNeil? How do you do, Mr. McNeil? Yes, <laughs> you can call me Mr. McNeil. That's all right. How are, <laughs> how are you, Gloria? 
Oh, I'm just fine. Good. I'd like you to meet uh, some of the younger Come members. Come on, this American Broadcasting Company Christmas party. Of my so, family. Uh, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, they're great. Really Hi, great Gloria. Family. I'm Tom Rosita. If we let them, they'd go right on talking until New Year's Eve. Hey, everybody. Eve. So I'm Bobby McNeil. say that we fade them oh, out Bobby. and I'm as they go on doing what comes naturally. And we return to the ABC studios here in Hollywood. Tuneful and timely toy trumpet. of Kenny Baker at Glamour Manor, the heartbreaking, half-baked hostelry he operates on the outskirts of Hollywood. Outskirts of Hollywood? <laughs> Sorry, that must be a typographical error. In Hollywood, it's got to be out slacks. <laughs> well, with a little help from Harry Lubin in the orchestra, we're on our way now to Kenny Baker and Glamour Manor. <laughs> 
Manor, Manor, 32 rooms and two baths. Kenny Baker, owner-manager speaking. Over. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry, I didn't quite get your name. Who? I met you in a hospital? Oh, oh, hello, Mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, you bet. Well, I wouldn't miss it. I'll be home with you tomorrow for Christmas dinner, yeah. Goodbye, dear. Well, Kenny, here I am to find out what's going on at Glamour Manor on Christmas Eve. Where's Slap and Miss Biddle and Barbara? Well, gosh, Don, they're all out doing their last-minute Christmas shopping. But doesn't the hotel look swell? Ah, uh, yes, it does, Kenny. But, hey, what's that suitcase doing over there in the middle of the lobby? Oh, well, the man in 309 asked me to help him pack it, so I saved whom I packed him in it, too. Yeah, but you left one of his arms sticking out. Well, gee, how else would he be able to carry it? <laughs> oh, excuse me, Don. Hello? Grammar Manor, rates by the day, month of the week. When it rains in Hollywood, the hotel's up the creek. <laughs> <laughs> Over the dam. Hello? Hello, room clerk? And where have you gone to the single rooms? A married couple. Now, that's no way to talk to a prospective guest, Kenny. Well, Don, the hotel's full up anyhow. I mean, I guess everyone's heard about our Christmas party, and at each guest gets a free gift. Oh, really? Yeah. You're giving every guest a Christmas present, eh? Yeah, I certainly am. Would you like a book? Oh, I'd like that a lot. Well, well, how about Little Women? I'd like that even better. Yeah. <laughs> what are you giving Miss Biddle? Well, Don, I'm, I'm giving Miss Biddle a beautiful fur. You giving Miss Biddle a beautiful fur? Sure. On whose money? Mine. Why, do you think I'm cheap? Well, all I know is that Barbara told me you invited her out last week. Dutch treat. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with going Dutch? Well, do you have to show up wearing wooden shoes? Oh, no. Just what kind of a fur are you getting, Miss Biddle, Kenny? Well, I don't know yet, Don. I was busy when I saw Miss Biddle go out, so I gave the boy next door the money, and he went out and bought it and put it up in her room as a surprise. This see? I have to see, and I have to go upstairs to my apartment, so I'll just slip into her room and look for myself. Well, go ahead, Don, and... Tell me what you think of the fur. You know, I'm awfully anxious to find out. Okay, Kenny, I'll be back in two shakes of a cat's tail. Yeah, okay. Baker, Mr. Baker, I have a bone to pick with you. Yes, you haven't put on a pound, have you, Mrs. Bindlestiff? <laughs> Last week, I gave you a package to mail to my niece, marked Fragile China. She just phoned me that it never arrived. Well, of course not. She won't get that package for at least a month. At least a month? Why not? Madam, have you any idea how far it is to fragile China? <laughs> oh, Mr. Baker, you're a nincompoop. A complete nincompoop. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had some parts missing. <laughs> hey, Kenny, 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 something terrible's happened. Well, what's the matter, Don? You look as pale as a sheet. Double bed size, of course. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not kidding, Kenny. I just went up to Miss Biddle's room and... There are no furs there. No furs. There's nothing in her room but a little Christmas tree. Oh, my goodness, this is awful, Don. Why, we've been robbed. Well, that's what I think. We ought to call the police. Now, wait a minute. I should say not. I know how to solve crimes. What do you think I do nights when I can't sleep? Read detective stories? No, drink Ovaltine. Now, come on, Wilson. We're going up and solve that crime. Well, now, you just better get a hold of yourself, Kenny. You're, you're kind of panicky, and you're, you're shaking more than the last man on a conga line. Why, what are you talking about? There's never been a quitter in the Baker family. No, sir. My father used to tell me... Son, the bakers don't know what it means to quit. Son, the bakers don't know the meaning of failure. Son, the bakers don't know what it means to be afraid. 
I guess we were pretty a stupid family, weren't we? But <laughs> I'm going to solve this crime or my name isn't Roger Strongheart. But your name isn't Roger Strongheart. I know, I'm just leaving myself a loophole. <laughs> now, come on, Don. We've got to go up to Miss Biddle's room. Well, come on, Kenny. Open Miss Biddle's door. Well, first tell me one thing. Is there anybody in her room by the name of Ruth? Ruth? Of course not. Uh-huh. Just as I thought. Another ruthless crime. Oh, Kenny. <laughs> Kenny, that's plain stupid. Oh, yeah? Well, I may see dumb to you, Don Wilson, but when somebody tries to outsmart me, they can do it every time. Oh, Kenny. Now, come on, I'll open the door. Okay. See? Nothing in here but a little Christmas tree. Oh, Don. You're right. And I know the boy put the fur up here because I asked him about it. Yeah, but that isn't finding anything. Now, let's be scientific. Wh who would steal a fur? A woman. Right. Therefore, I think there must be a woman hidden in the closet, and I'm going in after her. Oh, Don, if you're right, you'd better let me go with you. Nonsense. I'll go in after that woman alone. And if I whistle like this, she's dangerous. Yeah. And if I whistle like this, stay out. I'll handle her myself. Now, wait a minute, Don. Oh, look, here comes the boy from next door. Mr. Baker, I'm glad you're up here. Now, look at here, young man. What did you do with the fur I told you to buy for Miss Biddle? Well, gee, Mr. Baker, it's right there on the table. On the table? There's nothing on that table but a little Christmas tree. Now, what did you do with all that money I gave you to buy a fur? All that money? Well, jeepers, that tree ain't a pint of a hemlock. And I got the best-looking fur Christmas tree I could get for your 97 cents. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny Baker, for making my personal hotel that entertaining. I'll be seeing you every morning five times a week. And now, for another little visit away from ABC's Hollywood Studios and a trip to Pine Ridge, Arkansas, this Christmas Eve, to visit our delightful old friends, Lum and Abner. Listen while I run through this poem I'm going to recite at the youngin's Christmas party tonight. You going to recite a poem? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. me, I love to hear a peaceful flutter. They wanted somebody with a good speaking voice and lots of personality. Natural. But you'll do just as well, Lom. <laughs> what type of poem are you going to recite? It's a Christmas poem. Well, sir, now you chose a good topic for this time of year. You sure did. I, I thought it sort of fit in good. Yes, yes. But you, you stand there and listen. Yeah, go ahead. I just love Christmas. Happy Yuletide. Just love it. Love Twas it. the night before Christmas. Uh, uh, and uh, 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 uh. What, what was it, Long? I said, Twas the night before Christmas. Oh, I enjoy Christmas, my favorite holiday. Well, go ahead, Long. Start your poem. I'm dying to hear it. Well, keep still then. Yeah, go ahead. Twas the night before Christmas. Oh, that's sweet. I just love it. And all through the house, all not a creature. All through whose house? <laughs> Any house. And all through the house, not a creature was... Oh, it's was a vacant house, huh? No, there's a family living in it. Got some young. The Bates' place? Not necessary. Well, they got young ones, little Doody and Doofy. All right. Make it, make it the Bates' then. Yeah. 
can't understand why it's so quiet around there, though. There's the noisiest two little brats I ever know. Well, go ahead, Lon. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house... Uh, 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 uh. What's the matter now? All through the Bates' house. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the Bates' house, yeah. not a creature was stern, not even a mouse. He might be this... caught in a trap. Keep <laughs> A mouse. Their stockings The was... mouse is stocking? No, silly. Well, I was going to say, no wonder they couldn't hear the mice if they run around their stocking feet. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead. Their stockings was hung by the chimney with care. Oh, that's sweet. In the hope that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Who in the world is Nick Lassoon? <laughs> Who? That Nick Lassoon, you said you hoped he'd be there. I said, in the hopes that St. Nick Lassoon would be there. Yeah. That's Santa Claus. Oh, I see, yeah. The children... That's were... the first time I ever heard him call Nick Lassoon. <laughs> but it's your poem. You go ahead, do it the way you want I'm to. I'm trying to. Yeah. The children were nestled all snug in their beds. That, that's Duty and Dulcie. Yeah, bless their hearts. While visions of sugar plums danced through their heads. Bless their lips up. Visions? <coughs> well, no wonder they're quiet. Them young'uns are sick. Stop interrupting, will you? Let's see, where was I at? Damn poor little barn. Oh, yeah. Damn. And Mama in her kerchief. Miss Bates dancing at that time of the night. And I in my cap. You was you over there dancing with Miss Bates? Oh, for goodness sake! Well, Lon, you are to taking your cap off. It ain't polite to dance with your cap off. I weren't over there dancing with Miss Bates. Who was it? Then? I don't know. Well, I bound you, I can guess pretty close to who it was. Who? That Nick Lassoon. <laughs> Abner, will you just hash up and listen? That's mixed up. I forget where I was at in the poem. Nick and Miss Bates was dancing. Yeah. Or no. They're going to wake up the kids, too, if they ain't careful. And Mama in her kerchief. And in her what? Kerchief. Kerchief. Gazunkai. And I in my cap. Yeah, you better keep your cap on, Lum, as long as you're catching cold. Sneezing right away. Go ahead. When out on the lawn, there arose such a clatter. Oh, old man Bates coming home. <laughs> Just listen to the poem and you'll find out what it was. Yeah, go ahead. I'd love to find out what that racket is. I still think old man Bates is mixed up in it somewhere. I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Dogus, did you hear it clean over to your place? Admiral, will you keep quiet? That's more likely how you caught that coal arm running around your nightshirt. <laughs> go ahead. Away to the window, I flew like a flash. Good for you. Tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. Just barely made it, huh? <laughs> the moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. Mom, don't change your subject. What was that racket going on out there in the yard? I'm coming to it. When what to my wondering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. Eight tiny... Law matters, do you actually claim you've seen a herd of midget reindeers run around the base's yard? I told you to keep quiet. 
More rapid than eagles. Nice here. rabbits and eagles. He, <laughs> he whistled and shouted and called him by name. Mom, you better lay down. That cold give you a fever. Well, get away from me, Abner. Now, Dasher. Now, Dancer. Now, Prancer. Mom, calm down now, Long. On Comet. On Cupid. On Donder and Blitzen. Hey, Long, watch your language. Watch your language. <laughs> well, howdy, 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 howdy. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. well, howdy, Grandpap. Doggers, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, it's time to go on over to the Christmas party. You fellas ready? All right, grannies, I am. I'm getting out of here right now. Hey, wait a minute, Lom. Come back Good here now. Lom. Hey, Lom! Oh, me, Grandpap, this is the worst one Christmas i ever seen. Why? What, what's the trouble? Well, ain't you here? No. Why, Lom's got to go over and recite a poem when he's so sick he's got hallucinations. The little Bates is young and are laid up with the visions, and her mama's downstairs dancing with the Mr. Lassoon. <laughs> Old man Bates is out in your yard raising a rooster you can hear all over town. You, you better go on over the party, Grandpa, by yourself. Well, ain't you coming? No, I, I think I better stay here and wait for the call. What call? Why, the one from the corner. If old man Bates ever catches them two in there dancing and carry on, that Nick Lassoon's a dead goose. <laughs> you can see, it's certainly a different kind of Christmas down bar in Old Pine Ridge, but it sure is entertaining. <laughs> but uh, here in Hollywood, we have our own idea of Christmas entertainment, and I think it's not just our idea. It's the idea of everyone in the entire country. Bing Crosby! Thank you, Don. There's a simple story filled with promise of what happened on December 24th, which was written almost 2,000 years ago. This being another Christmas Eve, I'd like to read again the story of the Nativity from the book of Luke, chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields and keeping watch over the fields by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were not afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall bind the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, and goodwill toward men. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and 
Christmas, everybody, and good night. Bing, that was great. Thanks, thanks so much. And so, with the final Christmas greeting from all of us here in Hollywood, we now go back to Paul Whiteman in New York. This is Paul Whiteman back in New York with a very warm feeling about the heart and a large lump in the throat. I want to extend my sincere thanks to all who've helped to make ABC's big Christmas party a big success. Most particularly, I want to send a message of good hope and cheer to all our servicemen and women who are still in the hospitals, the brave men who've offered the greatest gift of all as they fought for the one who was born this day, the Prince of Peace. To them and to each of you everywhere, heaven's best blessings be upon you. And now to all a happy Christmas and to all a good night. Paul Whiteman's ABC Christmas Party was broadcast to all our servicemen and women everywhere through worldwide shortwave facilities. The Hollywood portion of the program was directed by Larry Robertson and Paul Franklin. The New York program was produced and directed by Charles Harrell, with special music by Bernard Green. Good night. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. And with that, we'll talk to you Wednesday with Patricia here on Yesterday USA. Merry Christmas, everybody. Jaws Professional. Skype status online. Alt page down. Menu. Alt tab. Leaving menu bar. Alt tab. Skype tray. Alt tab. Sound Forge Pro 11.1.